0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. You're watching Sportbox and here are the headlines. Standard Chartered warns of further severe market dislocation as the lender's credit impairments jump sharply. While net interest margins decline, the CFO Andy Holford is waiting in the wings. We will talk with him in just a few minutes.
1: Well, in addition to Standard Charter, we'll also speak to the bosses of Deutsche Bank and Barclays as we round out the big bank earnings parade. The shareholder pressure, though, just easing a tad on Jez Staley.
0: Not as bad as advertised shares in Alphabet rally as much as 8% in extended trade after the Google parent says the slowdown in advertising revenue is easing and they've beaten some of the more pessimistic forecasts. Airbus swings to a net loss and provides no guidance blaming limited visibility as the French aerospace giant says 60 aircraft could not be delivered due to the outbreak. We will speak with the CEO of the business, Guillaume Fauri. That's a 1045 CET. And just one level above junk, Fitch downgrades Italy's credit rating to triple B minus in a surprise move, citing the impact of the coronavirus pandemic and forecasting the economy will contract 8% this year. So, welcome to the program. Let's start with the bank. Standard Chartered has put in a 12% slide in first quarter pre-tax revenue as the bank becomes the latest lender to increase its expected credit loss provisions due to the coronavirus pandemic. Standard Chartered called global sentiment "quote extremely depressed." But the company said it expects economic growth to move out of recession before the end of the year, adding it is seeing encouraging signs in its key Chinese market. Hong Kong listed shares in Standard Chartered are trading higher. We're pleased to have with us Andy Halford, the CFO of Standard Chartered. Andy, great to have you back with us on the programme. Look, you will, uh, as a bank, have gone into this COVID-19 story earlier than other banks we're talking about in the West, but possibly you'll come out faster. Can you characterise for us just what kind of recovery you are seeing in the Hong Kong and Greater China market?
2: Yes, and good, good morning. And that, that is exactly how we see it. So the bigger markets, the bigger profit pools for us are in Northern Asia. And those were the markets which obviously went into this first. Actually, our first quarter results for the group overall was a top line that was up by 6%, which is one of the highest rates of increase we've actually had for a period of time. Albeit, that was strong very early in the quarter, and understandably less strong in March. But I think as we look around the world now, there is clearly concern in Europe, there is significant concern in Middle East and Africa. I think our southern Asian markets are in the eye of the storm, but sort of seeing that there will be some light at the end of the tunnel over a period of time. Our northern Asian markets look a little bit more positive. As you said, they went in earliest, they'll come out earliest. And um, we are certainly working very closely with them, because if they can come out of it quickly, that is incredibly good news for us as a group overall.
0: Key issue going forward seems to be visibility around the level of credit impairment. And you raised the impairment charge for the first quarter to nine hundred and fifty six million dollars. As you look forward to Q2, Q3, what's your best guess as uh, what those numbers will look like?
2: Yes, you're right. We have taken, obviously, as, as most banks will do, a much, much uh, increased impairment charge in the first quarter, reflecting clearly what is going on externally. Um, I think what, what will happen in the second and third quarter is going to be very dependent now upon a couple of things particularly. One is the rate of lifting of lockdown. Um, we are seeing that happening back to the previous point in northern Asia already. Um, The more successful that is, the earlier that happens, the earlier economies get going and the less there will be any um, big further impairments. But equally, the opposite applies. If the lockdowns take a very long time to lift off, then that will have an impact. And the other aspect of this is clearly the role that governments will play in supporting fragile businesses to the extent that there is support there and those businesses can get through a period of time. That will also um, improve the impairment outlook. So it is just genuinely really difficult to predict. It is very dependent upon external factors. And we will be obviously, as we are today, monitoring it incredibly closely.
1: Andy, very good morning to you. And I I know there's very limited parallels between the airline sector and what you're trying to do at Standard Chartered, but I just thought Alex Cruz's statement, the CEO of BA yesterday, was damning for hopes of a second and third quarter recovery. He said that BA would take several years, several years to get up to 2019 levels in terms of passengers as well. Uh, And of course, they've given up on government support as well with the furlough scheme and just saying, look, we're going to have to get rid of uh, probably 28% of our workforce, a huge and devastating blow from one Of the flagship companies of the UK economy as well. Do you think your third and fourth quarter estimates, and I know you've said it's very difficult to predict, we're just being way too optimistic here about economic levels recovering as quickly as possible?
2: Um, I I think it is just very difficult to do a comparison between the uh, aircraft sector and the banking sector. People clearly have changed their travel patterns uh, significantly over the last few weeks. But in, in reality, for banks, most of the services we offer, um, you know, banking, facilities, transfer of money, etc., are still very much in demand. So the issue for us, I think, will be less about top line. I mean, not, not nothing about top line, but less about the top line. It will be more about the sort of credit impairments and just how many businesses there are that find it difficult. Secondly, our business is particularly skewed to Northern Asia. So we do actually have the benefit that, as we said earlier, some of the markets that went into this earliest will come out of it earliest as well. So, again, a slightly different profile to that that some other sectors would have. It's clearly going to be a very tough second quarter. Hopefully, we will see some lift off as we go progressively through the third and the fourth quarters. And that is the basis that we are working on.
1: Sure, Andy, and I don't want you to think I'm trying to compare apples with pears here, but what I am saying is this is just one sector which is saying it's going to take years for us to recover. Now, we know that Asia, the area you're specifically looking at, was struggling anyway. We know China was struggling to hang on to a 5.5%, a 6% growth rate before this crisis as well. I'm just saying this is going to extrapolate a lot of trends that were already there. And all those people are saying second, third, fourth quarter. That's just perhaps way too optimistic, and especially for banks who are going to take on a whole... Whole host of uh, loans, which, let's be honest about it, we're not sure about the credit worthiness of and under a lot of pressure to hang on to those loans for a very long time rather than foreclosing on them.
2: It's just genuinely difficult to know that there's a lot of activity still. There's a lot of businesses that are looking for extra finance. As you say, the banks have got to be very careful that they're not taking on undue credit risk in going that route. But there, there is still a lot of demand out there. You refer to China slowing a little bit. Well, you know, 6% growth, if it slows a little bit, most of the rest of the world would still be very happy with the resultant um, outcome. So I do think where we are positioned um, geographically in the world is actually giving us some support here. Um, Undoubtedly, this is going to be a year when it will be very painful to start with. It will hopefully ease as we get through the year. When it gets back to normality, who knows? And some sectors, particularly airlines, maybe there will be a behavioural change which will take a much longer period of time to actually recover from. For banks, I think it will be more about how they service customers rather than whether they service customers. They'll be much more focused on digital, uh, less need for face-to-face contact. But still, the core activity of banking is going to be very much here for a long time to come and across markets.
0: Andy, where, where does this leave us in terms of uh, ROTE targets? Just looking at that uh, quarterly return on tangible equity down 100 mm-hmm. basis points to uh, 8.6% here. How far away is something that looks like double digit ROTE over the next uh, 12 to 18 months?
2: Well, I, I think the honest answer to that is clearly it has put it back a period of time. Unsurprisingly, and that, that will be true for most businesses. Uh, the fact we did print above 8% for the quarter, we've been trying to get to 10% for a period of time, so we're not a million miles away from it. But as you say, the next two quarters will still remain tough. So it's probably put it back a little bit in time. It still remains our view that that is an attainable objective, but it has put it back a bit in time terms.
0: Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Best with the rest of the day. Andy Halford, the CFO of Standard Chartered here. Um, Deutsche Bank. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Deutsche Bank numbers this morning. They've broken uh, the bank reporting a 206 million euro group profit Before tax, the uh, uh, number uh, boils down effectively to a net profit of uh, 66 million euros. They've delivered a CET1 capital ratio of 12.8%. Obviously, there is some question of uh, loan loss provisions going forward. The bank is booking provision for credit losses of 506. Million euros uh, of which approximately they say fifty percent is due to covid nineteen let 's get out to Anetta who's been running the slide rule over these figures anetta there's a lot in here to be optimistic about, not least the pickup in revenue from fixed trading activity, but how do the numbers as a whole look across the other units.
3: Well, actually, the numbers look pretty solid, I have to say. I mean, the other units, also the private bank is performing quite well here. Revenues are also up by 2%. The corporate bank is essentially flat. Um, But the big question is whether this can be replicated also in the next quarters going forward, especially the strong performance in investment banking, because mainly the revenue is driven by investment banking. Uh, One has to be clear about that and the volatility in the market. Whether this is here to stay or not remains to be seen. But all in all, it's a solid picture. And also, Deutsche Bank might actually benefit from the huge rescue package the German government has put in place because there will be a lot of guarantees coming, or there are guarantees through the state owned bank KfW. And they still have quite a good loan margin, I guess, um, which they can generate from that massive loan program to the German economy. So having said that, uh, the loan loss provision compared to others or to peers seem to be on the low side, to be fair. If you compare it to like, the, worst cri- the the last crisis, um, also the dot-com crisis years and years ago, I know, but there we had loan, loss, uh, loan losses, which were um, yeah, an equivalent of 3% of the loan book. Um, and now looking at their loan loss provision for this year, they are just at uh, 44 basis points. I guess. um, That seems to be on the low side, but it remains to be seen how bad the economic situation is going to be and how much this will affect their loan book. So we had a very stellar performance of of the shares um, when Deutsche Bank pre-released the numbers earlier this week. So the big question is whether the market will Um, digest the numbers today also on a positive note or not in more or less 15 minutes times we have the pre-market trading opening so might know a little bit more in 15 minutes back to you
0: And I'm very excited, Annetta, as well, to hear from the CFO of the business, James Van Molke. Uh, The Deutsche Bank CFO will be with us at eight central European time. And a little insight. It's a cracker of an interview, I know, because we did it before the show opened this morning. Uh, We'll also be speaking with Barclays CEO, Jez Staley. That's the first on CNBC at eight central European time. So make a point of staying with us for that. Let's have a look. Look at the markets here. We're going to start off by just looking at asia but i will just back into this by telling you that obviously the overnight session on wall street uh, wasn't that strong particularly technology stocks but it doesn't seem to have taken the gloss off of the the performance of the asian markets uh, here and i think um, some of the realism uh, that we're seeing coming through in the corporate earnings is actually encouraging investors to be a little bit more bold and i thought standard chartered uh, and Andy Holford, very interesting. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. And he made the point that they feel that because they're an Asia-focused business, they can come out of this earlier and stronger than some other Western-focused banks. Let's roll the wall and have a look at oil. Oil has been such a dominant story, of course, over the last couple of weeks here. And the fixation again on what happens with this June crude contract has really, I guess, obscured the fact that we continue to look at the fundamentals as well and the daily reports. And there was a little bit of Better news, I think, in the stockpiling in the United States. The inventory numbers weren't as high as the market had been looking for. And that's just put a little bit of support, a crutch, under the crude price, if you like. So there we are, $13.74 on WTI. Uh, Brent crude also trading higher, a little, 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 little over $20. So the U.S. markets then, let's just show you where we finished the business day in the United States. And the Dow broke that four-day win streak that we'd seen here. But this is the one that's really interesting because it's been these stocks, the technology companies that have largely been that lifeline, that life boy for some of those who've bought into this rebound we've had in the market. And we've had some interesting guidance around technology companies, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But that's where we Wrapped up the business trading day coming up on the program limited visibility airbus giving no guidance as operating profit almost halves in the first quarter we'll have a look at the numbers when we come back the ceo will be up at 10:45 cet it's a first on cnbc conversation and if you want to check out all the conversations here on squawk box have a listen to the podcast Uh, Welcome back, everybody. We're just going to open up this half uh, or this segment of the programme looking at Daimler. Uh, You may recall back last week, we did get some numbers from Daimler and they're confirming, they are confirming this morning, uh, pretty much the level of Group EBIT at 617 million euros. The Q1 uh, 2019 number was uh, 2.7 billion. There's a uh, an 80% drop effectively in that figure. Um, we're getting a few more bells and whistles, so let me just uh, walk you through some of these other figures very quickly. Group net profit, 168 million. That's against the 2.1 billion we saw for Q1 2019. The um, group giving us a free cash flow number on the industrial bin- business of minus $2.3 billion here. The uh, first quarter net line in then at 168 million net profitable, attributable to to shareholders of Daimler, amounting to 94 million euros. That is against the uh, 2 billion that we saw for 2019. That, they say, leads to a decline in earnings per share, to 9 euro cents. Uh, they were 1 euro 96 cents for 2019. I'm not sure I need to go on. I think that reflects the uh, pain that the group is seeing in both the cars and the vans division as a result of the pandemic. And given that they have such a large commercial vehicles unit, inevitably at this point, I think as we see business frozen for a lot of companies, that means they will not be buying new cars, vans and trucks at this point. Uh, Let's move on. Carrefour says revenue growth accelerated in Q1 as food sales increased due to the virus lockdown. The European retail group Posted first quarter sales of almost 19.5 billion euros. Carfor CEO says the crisis underscores the relevance of its five year plan to cut costs and invest in e commerce. Airbus has posted a near 50% drop in first quarter operating profit as the French Aerospace Group says the industry is facing, quote, the gravest crisis it has ever known. Airbus gave no guidance due to limited visibility, adding it's focused on matching production to demand. Uh, Let's get to Charlotte with more on this. Well, Charlotte, I think we had a pretty good idea that these were going to be poor numbers given the warnings we had from the company and the message to employees. Give us a few more details though, I mean what, what does the order book look like now going forward?
4: You're right. Well, this morning, again, this morning from the CEO, Guillaume four is the gravest crisis facing the industry, as you say, echoing what we heard from the company earlier in the week, saying that the survival of the group was at stake and that uh, the company was bleeding cash at an unprecedented rate. Well, to give you an idea, uh, the cash flow, the net cash is at 3.6 billion euros at the moment. At the end of 2019, it was at 12.5 billion euros. So That would give you the rate and the amount of cash that is coming out of Airbus at the moment. As you mentioned, revenue was at 10.3 billion. So that was about in line with expectation. But as you said, it was a net loss of uh, 480 million uh, for uh, Airbus. They've announced that they will reduce CapEx for by about 700 million for 2020. And they mentioned they have very v- little visibility while airlines are deferring some of their orders, if not some of them cancelling. Uh, There's no visibility of how and when business will go back to normal for travel and therefore Airbus just trying to adapt to the demand but it's very difficult saying they have very little visibility hence not issuing new guidance here. Uh, They mentioned that uh, 60 aircraft could not be delivered in Q1 uh, because of the Covid crisis. Here explaining again some of the cash not coming into uh, the covers of Airbus here. So all this is very interesting. Again the warning that this crisis is uh, very tough on Airbus. Uh, now there's a call coming soon with management. So it'd be interesting to see whether job cuts could be on the line. They have reduced production by about a third that was already announced. The question is whether they will cut production further and whether job cuts could be on the table. So it'd be interesting to listen to this call uh, in a little bit and also talk to the CEO uh, at 10.45 CT. He'll be joining us uh, on CNBC.
0: Thanks so much, Charlotte. The French government has laid out its roadmap to begin easing its lockdown. Prime Minister Edouard Philippe said the rules will be relaxed from May the 11th if infection rates continue to fall. Schools and some businesses will be allowed to reopen, but restaurants and cafes will be closed until at least June. Testing is also a key component of the plan, with the prime minister saying the government wants to carry out at least 700,000 tests per week. In order to proceed with this deconfinement, we will everywhere
1: protect, test and isolate. And as I said, we will proceed progressively by making a differentiation between the regions. Progressively first. Progressively because we mustn't let the epidemic start again. We want to avoid a second wave because all of us here prefer avoiding that after the confinement, then the deconfinement, and then we'd have to
0: go through a general confinement once more. Spain has also unveiled a plan to lift its lockdown. Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez announced a four-phase procedure that will vary from province to province, but there are no fixed dates. The hope is for it to be completed by the end of June, but that depends on a number of factors, including the infection rate and the number of intensive care beds available. Well, the Prime Minister explained each phase will last at least two weeks in line with the incubation period of the virus.
1: It's important to note that something we have learned throughout these long months of battle against the virus, and it is that each of these three phases of the de-escalation described will have a minimum duration of two weeks. Two weeks. Why? Because it is the average period of incubation of the virus. What does this mean? It means that at best, that each stage of de-escalation, the transition to that new normality...
0: Fitch has cut Italy's credit rating. through triple B minus, only one level above junk. The ratings agency said the unscheduled downgrade reflects the strain on the country's economy. Fitch now expects Italy's economy to contract by 8% this year, with public debt rising to 156% of GDP. Italy is set to appeal that decision. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.